Hello and welcome to Stay Paid, the sales and marketing podcast from Reminder Media, where we talk about the actionable ideas to help grow your business so you can live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. My name is Joshua Stike, Vice President of Marketing here at Reminder Media, and I am with Luke Acri, President of Reminder Media. Hello, everyone. And today we have another amazing interview for you guys. Owner of Apex Insurance, a completely virtual insurance agency, our guest has spent eight years in insurance and finance before starting her own entrepreneurial journey with Apex. Jill McGowan, welcome to the podcast. Hi. It's great to have you here. Good to be here. Jill, it's great to have you guys. I had the privilege of speaking. Jill was on a panel at the Disruptor with us, so you've heard us talk about this conference, Disruptor. I want to plug it again because this Disruptor conference was amazing. There's going to be another one coming soon. What I love so much about it is it took people like Jill who are real entrepreneurs, real business people, like Jill is a practicing business professional. We were literally just talking right before we came on this podcast. She's going through a rebranding. She's trying to get a website up, all this good stuff. So it's taking real practitioners and picking their brain and asking them how are they actually growing their business. So Jill, super appreciate you coming on this podcast with us. If you could just introduce yourself to our audience, you know, we want to start off giving kind of the background of who you are, how you got into the business, your journey. So if you could kind of give us your 30,000 foot view of your life. My name is Jill. Uh, if you see me online, a lot of times it'll say Jelena because that is like my name, but most everybody calls me Jill and Jelena's a lot. I have been selling uh, since I think I came out of the womb. Like I just was just that way. I love selling things. It's <laughs> my, my jam and it's something that I've always been good at. And that's one of the reasons why I started my business. Um, I did start in a scratch insurance agency last year. I've been in insurance and finance for 10 years consistently, and I love insurance and just decided to stop getting paid like crap from everybody else and do it for myself. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's not often you hear that people say, I love insurance. Usually you hear people go, I don't <laughs> like insurance. So so you started you started out, obviously, insurance. How, how long were you in insurance before you st- decided to branch out on your own? Okay, so I started at State Farm. Okay. I found an agent that was nice enough to let me sell insurance and fail my exam twice for, you know, three years. And he just took me under his wing and told me how he started his agency and everything that he did. And he's still like my really super good friend today and helps me with my business. And it's just been super happy, you know, to see how I've done. And then I moved to Delaware. I started out in the San Francisco Bay. I moved to Delaware because uh, I got married. I've since been divorced, but <laughs> lived in Delaware for six years. And I worked at State Farm for a little while there, too. And then I transitioned to the dealership life. And I started working at a motorcycle dealership as finance and insurance. So I would mm. finance people's motorcycles and off-road vehicle and then turn around and insure it. And I did that for four years, three or four years, I don't remember. And then I met my husband through the dealership, 20 Group, actually, in Dallas, Texas. Nice. And 20 Group is just where dealers get together and are like, we sell things like this, and this is how we do this. And that's how we met each other. It's, it sounds <laughs> then, like a love uh, story made in the stars right there. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that as a rom-com. A rom-com. Same. It's yeah. true love. <laughs> true love. So... 
You obviously have been practicing insurance for a while. So what was it that made you want to start your own business? How long have you had a business now? I just hit my year mark. Okay, just hit your year. So congratulations. Awesome. So you're in the thick of it right now, just branching out on your own. So that's really great. This is going to be really tangible then for our audience. So what made you want to start a business on your own? Because we probably have a ton of people listening to this who are working for someone else. And they might be thinking to themselves, hey, I want to start my own business. So what made you want to do it? And then what were the practical steps you took to get there? Okay. Are you ready for this story? Because hold on to your seat, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Make any sales loving individual a little frustrated, but pain has purpose. So when I moved down here, I had four different jobs. I had the bachelor's degree and was like, man, when I moved to Georgia, mm, just wait, I'm going to get this, this killer job that's going to change my life because I have a degree and I have 10 years of experience. No, that is actually not what happened. <laughs> I came down here and could not get a job in my degree field. And there is a humongous Aflac like corporate down here. And mm. I had 10 years of insurance experience and a bachelor's degree in finance. <laughs> so I thought I would be able to get a job. It didn't happen. I had four different jobs and I, I got to the whole this six figure mark was like my goal financially, like when I hit six figures, I've made it as a human in America, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then I got there and, uh, it sucked still a lot. (laughs) And so the last job I had, I told the owner, it was a a smaller motorcycle dealership. I was like, look, I'm going to help you guys grow because I'm awesome. We're going to do this many bikes a month. You pay me like this. I'm gonna. I was a sales manager and finance, so I worked the front of the deal as well as the back of the deal. And the back of the deal is where the insurance stuff is, you know, like warranties and things like that. I'm gonna do this much on the front, this much on the back. I'm gonna sell this many bikes, and that's that's what's gonna happen. Well, I did that, and I even actually took a salesperson from somewhere that I already had worked, <laughs> and I had them change the pay plan for that person too, <laughs> and. I, we hit those goals, like we crushed those goals three months in a row, back to back to back, and they cut my pay over twenty five percent. Oh, oh, that's a common <laughs> that's a common story for salespeople. Common, yeah. common pain point. Yep. Yeah. So I got really super angry, um, and I was, you know, I went home, and my husband was excited, you know, because he's. Ever since he met me, he's like, come on, little, just go, go do your own business. You know, like he's been telling me, like, do it, Good you know, for him. just do it. <laughs> so I finally came home one day and I was so mad and he was frustrated about it too. But honestly, you know, now that's one of the best thing that's ever happened to me because it made me so upset to a point where I took the leap of faith to open up my agency. Mm. You know, it might sound corny and cliche that, you know, a lot of times the best things come from the things that you didn't get. So the like, I think the the country song is thank God for unanswered prayers. Right. But the point being, yeah, you don't know the country song. Josh is not a country music fan. But (laughs) the point is, it's a good reminder. This might not be hitting you exactly at this point in time, but I hope it's hitting somebody that's listening to this. That so often, you know, all the interviews we've done so far, my friends that own businesses, everybody has that story that it's literally from the suffering that gave them the inspiration in the path 
that led them to be where they're at today. So you're a year into the business. So we talked before we came on the podcast. The number one question we get from our clients, from our audience is, you know, how do I generate leads for my business, right? So could you just give us a little bit of the detail of, you're obviously, you've started this insurance firm, right? And you're, you're doing the motorcycle side of it or, you know, the vehicle side of it. How do you go about generating new business for your, you know, insurance company? What are some of the tactics that you're using to give to our audience something maybe tangible that they could try to implement in their business? It's going to sound cliche, but niche is the number one thing that I am going to say. But I am the best example of a niche. If you don't believe it, come watch me. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's uh, Sorry, interruption. That's somebody trying to get insurance from me that I told I was not going to be available at 5 o'clock. <laughs> I love it, guys. That's real business right there. What you just experienced is what you all go deal with. That is with. real life right That's there. That's real life. <laughs> <laughs> I And here's the other thing. That is a customer that is calling me from a dealership. I have relationships with salespeople inside of dealerships. I work past five o'clock. I'll call that customer when I get done with you guys and I'll write his insurance policy. It's on a Grom. He's a great guy. You know, it's just... It's after five. Every other insurance person went home. I'm going to write that insurance policy. Oh, that's awesome. That's that is awesome. a huge takeaway. The, the relationships, did you notice right there, is that what she's done when she talks about the dealerships, she's building relationships that can source her the leads. So a practical application for everybody listening to this is who are the vendors that we all think about vendors, right? We all think about, you know, if you're a real estate agent, it's your mortgage professional that's servicing the mortgage, right? But don't think about them as vendors. Connect at a relationship level. You're literally connecting with the salesperson in the dealership is what you're doing. What are other tactics? So you have these relationships that you're doing. I know, you know, this disrupt tour that we talked about was social media. I know you're on social media all the time. Are you using social media <laughs> to grow your business? Are you seeing leads come from your social media? I do. I have, and it also connects me with, because I have customers that follow me, and I I do two things. I'm very, very virtual because I do not have an, a brick and mortar, but at the same time, when I do make a sale, I write a handwritten letter with my hand that tells the person, thank you for doing business with me, and that I'm, I just started my insurance agency, and I'm building it from the ground up, and people love that because it gives a personal side to as this whole electronic side as well. And it gives me referrals because <laughs> you see this, who do you know thing up in your, in your screen? Well, my customers know lots of people that have motorcycles and they like me because I'm a girl and I ride motorcycles and I write insurance <laughs> on motorcycles. So you were talking, yeah, you were talking a little bit before about your niche and finding that niche and niching down and 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 specifically with motorcycle insurance and um, yes. uh, recreational vehicles, right? So talk a little bit more about that. Obviously, that's the audience that you're going for. So what are you doing? Obviously, through referrals, birds of a feather flock together. You're finding lots of people that know other people that ride motorcycles. What else are you doing to kind of connect with that? specific demographic, that target that you're going for, which suits suits your niche. And then 
after that, kind of how do you how do you handle additional business opportunities or leads that might come in that don't fall within your niche? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a good question too because I'm not just doing motorcycle insurance. You know, I couldn't just sell motorcycle insurance and be like, yeah, I'm done. Like, no. <laughs> and some of the off-road policies, no. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's that's with any kind of business, you know, you want to get that first sale and then see what else that you can get. And I do leverage, like if you're going to have a business, you need to have a CRM flat out and you need to find one that is good. If you deal with customers, you need a customer relationship management system because you, <laughs> I need to know. I, if it I sounds write, so simple when I, you say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, it, you know, I, and that's what I worked with in dealerships working with salespeople in the past is that nobody wants to write anybody's information down. It's like you're cutting yourself off here, buddy. Because if I have 150 motorcycles in the state of Delaware and then I have companies that are like, hey, you know what? We're finally going to give you auto and home up there. Am I just going to let those policies sit there? No, I'm going to reach out to those customers when I have that territory with that place and be like, I have your motorcycle. And 75% of the people know I'm going to reach out to them anyway because my CRM, it can automate processes for me. So that way you're not really doing as much work as you would in the past. <laughs> I love it. What, what CRM are you using? I'm sure our audience is wondering, maybe they're in the market for one right now. Well, it's very insurance related because it does connect to my agency management systems as nice. well. So that way they can like talk to one another, but it's called QQ. Nice. Awesome. 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 So when you think about starting your business, you're a year in, what do you consider to be your biggest struggle like in that you're up against and what are you struggling with? And that's been the hardest for you as you're trying to get this off the ground and grow it. You're speaking to my soul right now. I am angry about the fact that it's so weird. It's like this magical place when you don't have a brick and mortar. I physically do not understand my companies. So here's what I do in, as a human in sales. I live in Georgia. I sell insurance right now in six different states. I only have the most companies in my resident state. When you sell only life and health, you can pretty much, you have way more opportunities and you, the, your companies will give you whatever state you want pretty much or whatever companies that you have. It doesn't work that way for PNC. It's, it's not the same. <laughs> so I struggle where companies are like, we don't want to give you home and auto up there. Oh, wait, it's a year later. You have 150 policies up there. Okay, we'll give you home and auto. But how are you doing that without a business and how are you writing so many policies out of your house when you live in Georgia and the policies are in Delaware so it's literally overcoming that you literally don't really have a home office you work it's basically a virtual office is it just the struggle with your vendors or is it the actual struggle with your clients that they aren't perceiving you as a real business either it's vendors Okay, no, it's just it's not, vendors. It ain't me. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, I have customers that call me every day. I have, I can pull up four phone calls this morning of Delaware and Maryland numbers calling me asking if I can write their auto insurance and their home insurance. And I can't because the vendors restrict me. Mm, mm. Oh, it's painful. Painful. Wow. So tell us a little bit. I mean, you're talking about some of the challenges that you're facing as a business. Um, you have to, because I, I listened to you on another podcast and you told this story about being hospitalized and selling insurance 
you have to tell that story because I think that this this is one of this those personal challenges I think that you've probably faced along the way. It was it was really hard. It was really hard. <laughs> I, I didn't like forget, but I feel better now. So I'm like, am I allowed to cuss? Can I say cuss words? <laughs> no, no, Mark's, no, wait, no. Mark's shaking Mark, his head. Our no. producers over there going, no, 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 don't say He doesn't want to put the explicit tag <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> okay, I won't. I'll be good. I'll be good. <laughs> it was it was really one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And I didn't forget about it or not think about it. It's just I feel better now. So, But, like, literally three months after I started my business, like, my body was like, hey, do you want to, like, try to die for a little bit? Because that <laughs> is what happened to me. <laughs> I I don't, they still don't know what exactly happened to me, but I got like this, I had a super terrible stomach issues for like two full years. I had a, my gallbladder taken out, but regardless, three months after I started my business, I was straight up hospitalized for four days because I had some crazy abscess infection in my intestines. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote insurance while I was in the hospital. I mean, like I was in the first three months of my business, like I had gotten companies in September and I got hospitalized at the end of November. So I had started making sales three months previous to that. So I was yeah. really super in the thick of what I was doing. So I just brought my laptop. I was like, if you're going to make me lay here in this bed for four days, I'm going to work. I don't care. <laughs> you have to stay paid, guys. Yeah, If that means selling insurance from a hospital bed, you have to stay paid. So that, then, That's a true grind. That's right a there. true grind. So from there, Jill, how are you kind of measuring success in your business today? What, what are you looking at that's telling you, you know, I'm on the right path. Um, I'm, I'm hitting my goals. I'm being successful. What are you looking at on a daily basis to measure that? How happy I feel. That's my, my, my biggest measure of success is how happy I feel. You know, like I grew up super like, poor. so when I put this financial goal on six figures and realized that that means absolutely nothing, being happy is where it's at. <laughs> mm. Mm, that's so, powerful. That's awesome. So how do you balance kind of your work with your personal life then? How are you balancing this, growing this business? Obviously, I follow you on, on Instagram. I think anyone that follows you on Instagram, you, you're bringing a lot of your personal life into that. Um, well, it's funny because we kind of got asked this at the Disrupt Tour, too, and I'm actually doing things a little bit different now. Um, not that it was terrible before, but I wanted to be even more focused. Yeah. So I talked to a lot of the people, and really, Andy Dane Carter, I really like him a lot. Um, and he talked about meditation, you know, and I even DM'd him after the Disrupt Tour and was just like, tell me about this meditation. What is, what is this? You know? And it's like, what do you do? And so like I downloaded an app and like I take a few minutes every morning before I look at my phone, before I do anything just for me to sit in the dark and chill. And then I go to my phone into my business and stuff, but just me, just for me. So that that's helped me a lot too. And the balance, that's it. As long as I'm happy and I know what's going on, like up in my brain and my brain school, like it's fine. That's do you really you really do it every morning? You've been doing the meditation app every morning. Yeah, that's yeah. Fan, that's fantastic. I tried, and I even downloaded the app recently, and I really want to do it again. It's called discipline, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. 
hard though because it's like oh let me just sit on the floor and like think about my feelings oh, it's so like, boring yeah get, get your own head <laughs> well that leads to a perfect question of you know when you look at um obviously what you're trying to accomplish do you have like a set routine that you do every single day maybe certain things you do whether it's lead generation things meditation things that you do every day to drive success in your life and in your business because i know our audience listening to this is wondering hey how do i structure my day what should i be doing every single day do you have certain things that you do every single day to drive success i do I definitely have other um, jobs as a business owner, so I don't necessarily do the same business things every day, but I definitely do the little bit of meditation self-time every day, and I have to work out every day. And honestly, like I have to listen to Gary Vee every day, too. <laughs> <laughs> Love Gary Vee. <laughs> Me, too. So, I mean, like those are my non-negotiable things. If I work out, I'm going to feel good. If I pay attention to my brain and know that my brain feels good, then the day will be good. And if I want to work till 2 a.m., I will. And if I want to work until 6 p.m., I will. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, it's so powerful listening to you and listening to your story because we get the privilege on Stay Paid to interview tons of different business owners and people who are, you know, successful. And just hearing kind of what really drives you is this being happy with yourself and being to where you're in a state to where you're not it's not necessarily about, oh, I'm going to have to call three hours of, of leads every single day. For you, it's more of, hey, as long as I'm able to support myself and happy with myself, that's where I really want to be. And I have to share with my you know team and all the time is that the more and more I've done Reminder Media, the more and more it's transitioned for even myself to be, it's really not about the money. It's really not about the accolades or yeah. what the awards I win. It really is about what I always call is this life of freedom to where uh, I want to be able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it and who I want to do it with. Right. So that's what really yes. I'm after. And just to hear you kind of speak, I hope it touches some of the people in the audience to realize that, Hey, you don't have to be, there's always someone better, meaning like, you know, we're a multi-million dollar company. There's always a Jeff Bezos at a hundred. What is he worth? 120 billion now. There's always going to be somebody <laughs> more accomplished or with more money. And what you really need to focus on is, hey, are you happy with you? Are you happy okay. every day? And are you satisfied with you? Because that really is that true freedom that we're all after. Fun. Yeah, it's super, super, super powerful. So Share with our audience now that you're almost you're basically a year in, right? So you've gone through the fire over the course of this year because getting a business off the ground is not easy. It's a lot of blood, sweat and tears. What would you do differently? Specifically, what would you invest way more time into or what would you not do at all? Like some of the major things you go, man, I would never do that again if I look back and could do it again. So what are some of the things you would do differently or invest more time into? There's a lot of things that you're going to do wrong and you can't can't take them back and you can't change it because you need to fail in order to figure out kind of what you're doing anyway. I wish I would have understood that I my I wish I would have understood more about the direction that I wanted to go because I self-branded at the beginning. And the very first time that I answered my phone, I almost threw up. It was horrible. Mm. <laughs> like I, if you don't want to say your name every time you answer the phone, like you don't. It was the worst 
decision I've ever made in my entire life. So now I'm rebranding, which is costing money. It's, it's definitely been a really cool learning process to know where I'm going to go, but I kind of already knew that. And I wish I just would have thought about it a little bit, the direction that I wanted to go a little bit more. Mm, That's powerful. Wow. So there you have it, guys. Some great advice from an entrepreneur who was in the middle of starting and growing her own business, generating leads, and most importantly, following up with her clients in a personal way. Don't lose what Jill said there about halfway through the interview. She is writing handwritten notes with Mm. her own hand to her clients because even as a virtual agency, no brick and mortar store, the ability to connect with someone, show them that you took that extra little bit of time to care, to write that note, I think is one of the most powerful takeaways there. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here, Jill. Before we close, uh, let everybody know where they can connect with you. So it's going to look a little little, but <laughs> where I'm going to be mainly is on my Instagram at Apex Protects. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, if you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a comment. It really helps the podcast get out to more people. To get new episodes weekly, subscribe to Stay Paid in your favorite podcast player. Make sure to follow Reminder Media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also post weekly coaching videos on YouTube where you can find our Stay Paid videos, you can find our interviews, and you can find our coaching videos. Just search for Reminder Media, look for the Above the Noise series, or look for Stay Paid podcast playlists there. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Acre, and we like to close every Stay Paid episode with an action item. And I think the really critical action item for everybody in or listening to this right now is look at your book of business right now and look at the people that are your vendors that you consider to provide a service for your vendor. Like, you know, for her, it was the dealership. And start translating and thinking to yourself, they're not a vendor, they're a partner. How do you build a relationship with them, even down to the salespeople in that business, to where they can be the source of referrals and leads for you? Because I think that was really critical in how Jill has grown her business. So take action on this. Remember, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer is top producers take action. So take action on that today. 